this is Griffin, the pastor at Poplar Springs. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope the message inspires you and encourages you to pursue Jesus more this week. Also, be sure to connect with us on social media for more content. Enjoy the message. So we are continuing in the Whole Heart series, and this is going to be our last day to focus on King Saul. I think we've kind of ripped up his struggles and his life and his hardships enough, and we're going to kind of land on a very specific topic today, and then it'll launch us in uh, to the following weeks to focus in on King David. And so we've, let me just touch on a few of the things that uh, we've made you kind of dig into in maybe your own lives as we've unpacked Saul's story. The leader of the, the nation of Israel, the first ever king chosen by God to lead his people, and you just see his story play out with all these heart issues that he's challenged with. We've talked about insecurity, which is really the root problem Saul dealt with that causes him to unravel in certain circumstances and situations. He is so worried about how he can't live up to the challenge and maybe doesn't feel like he's capable. We talked about the struggle of control. We talked about pride and those types of things. And last week, Don, I thought, laid out perfectly the idea of struggling with acceptance. How do people see me? Do I live by the word of God or the ways of the world and what people expect of me? How can we be strong enough to follow God's ways, even when it's hard, even when it goes against the culture, and it's counter to what we see all around us. And I love when Don or Thomas preaches. It gives me a chance to look ahead. And we've ironed out the fasting series. So in January, if you're new to us, we fast for 21 days. I'm not sure if everyone enjoyed that very much. But spiritually, it's an amazing start to the year and organizing the Easter services and all these different things. So God has laid out some great things for next year. But we're going to talk about another specific struggle of Saul's heart today. And to catch you up, we're actually fast forwarding a little bit to 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you want to turn there and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Before we start into that, it's, we've missed a few things that we'll go back to uh, next week. And we'll get into David's story. But what's happened in the meantime with Saul's struggles, David has been chosen as the next king. David and Goliath has happened in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David is starting to come up onto the scene as God's chosen man, clearly blessed by God, clearly chosen by him to do great things. And we're converging into the moment where Saul, as the king, is starting to see, hold on a second, there's someone coming up beside me that may cause me to lose some of the focus of my people that may be threatening uh, how people see me and maybe superseding who I am and the control and the strength and the leadership that I have. So we're going to jump right into it. First Samuel chapter 18, verse 5. And again, apologize for the, the sound issues this morning. This team is so amazing to adjust. They had a full set planned. They went completely acoustic. Can we thank our, our team and our sound team in the back? On the fly, creating an amazing, isn't it great to just worship and honor our God? I love hearing your voices in the room. So 1 Samuel 18, verse 5 is where we're going to start. The beginning of 18 kind of introduces us to this relationship, David and Jonathan, whose Saul's son, start to, to kindle this incredible friendship, which we'll get to in a few weeks with David. But we'll start in verse 5 for the focus 
today. It says this, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. Aaron, let me know if I should switch over to the announcement mic. Good to go? Okay. So it continues, verse 6. When the men, uh, this, excuse me, this pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Verse 6. When the men were returning home, after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and singing, listen to this, and dancing with joyful songs with timbrels and lyres. And so we've, we've learned King Saul wants approval. He wants to be loved by his people. He wants to get credit as a leader. That's kind of an intoxicating thing, right? You want to know you're doing the right things. Your people are with you. They're cheering you on. They're, they're behind you with what you're trying to accomplish. But he takes it so far. And they're singing and praising the leaders. But this is where it gets tricky for Saul. Verse 7. As they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And so no guy likes to hear women singing the praises of another man, right? And so Saul is walking back into after a victory and he's hearing someone else get the focus. And someone else in his life is getting the credit that he wants is getting the, the celebration that he craves from the people around him. He wants the attention. He wants the focus. He wants the credit. And now this young man who was hanging out with the sheep in a field somewhere has come in and has now taken the focus off of him. And it just goes right into a question that I think is so important and so ready in front of you and I in our own lives because honestly we probably deal with this on a weekly basis. It's a question Saul needs to ask himself and it's the question I want to ask you today. It's this. How do you respond to other people's success? In your life and in Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I know all you in here are on TikTok, I, I know, right? In this kind of world, right, where we're just seeing everyone's life, who's ahead and who's behind and who's being celebrated and who's successful and who went on a great vacation and who can cook a better meal than me and make it look prettier in their house for fall than me and get their kids to smile when we can't for pictures, etc., etc., etc. How do we respond when other people succeed? How do we react when it feels like other people are moving beyond where we currently are? When it seems that other people are ahead of where we currently are, when it's, we feel behind and we compare and we contrast and we look, when other people start to rise, what's the response in your heart and in your mind? And Saul, who's insecure, who wants control, who's filled with pride and all focused on himself and wants the acceptance of his people, is having a major struggle with all the women in Israel as they're coming back into town singing the praises of someone else right in front of them. I think it's so 
part of our lives where other people succeed and we're in a season of struggle and we're not moving forward the way we want. It can creep into our lives to give us a certain struggle that I want to focus in on this morning. But let's look at what Saul does in his response to the people singing. Verse 8 says, Saul was very angry. This refrain, the singing, displeased him greatly. It's almost like to his core, he could not handle that someone else beside him was getting the focus that he wanted, the credit and the success that he desired for himself. They credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands, he thought. And he said, what more can he get but the kingdom? And so immediately Saul, he's kind of reading the tea leaves. He's seeing that something's happening with David. He's rising up into leadership. And we know from the story of God's word that David will be the next king. Saul will be removed from the throne because of the mistakes and the decisions that he's made. But in his heart, Saul is now struggling. And he's moving further and further away from God's desire for his heart. And we've talked about the heart issues being so critical because you and I can show up to work and to church and at home to our families and smile and look like things are good. But what matters to God is what's going on in here. And the flesh is so readily available and these feelings that we've been talking about can creep in at a moment's notice. Our reactions to hardships and situations in life can cause us to act and feel like Saul. And like we talked about previously, the goal of of what God wants to do by giving us his spirit because of what Jesus did, like Thomas talked about in communion, is so that the Holy Spirit of God can supersede your flesh and make you more and more like Jesus Christ. And if we're really honest, none of us want to feel insecure. We don't want to live our lives anxious and fearful and prideful and wanting control and anxious because we can't control the narratives of life. We want God to take over more and more of our lives so that we can operate and function the way that God intended so that internally we aren't crumbling and struggling in the way we see Saul in his life trending. And so the topic today is not a fun one, but it's, it's one we have to fight against. And it's this idea of jealousy and envy. And I probably should have chosen one of them, but I think they kind of coexist together. I put the definition on the screen because it's one of the things we know and we kind of understand what they are, but I just want to define them so we can accurately look into our hearts and make sure this has no place in how we operate with the Lord. And so jealousy is feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements and their advantages. And envy is a desire to have a quality possession or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. And so we know jealousy and envy is not good. It's spoken of in the Bible. It's laid out really beautifully and straightforward by God. But how do we fight against this? Saul hears someone else getting the singing and the praises and immediately he goes to anger. He gets insecure. He thinks his kingdom's going to be taken from him. How do you and I wrestle against feeling these things. There's a Bible verse in Proverbs that says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, 
but envy rots the bones. I mean, the Bible is so straightforward and clear, it, it hits you at the core. And so the feeling you get when you walk into someone's house and a, your mind can't stop comparing what their living room and their setup looks like and it's not as messy as yours. And when you see someone wearing something that you wish maybe you could wear or you see what they're doing in their business and they're thriving and they're successful and immediately your mind takes you to thinking, why haven't I gotten there and why haven't we arrived and why aren't we at this place? This creeps in so quickly, doesn't it? It's easy to operate in this way. So I want to talk about three dangers that we see in how Saul's operating and what it starts to look like between him and the people around him. So number one, let's look at verse nine, continuing the story. It says this, and from that time, as he heard that singing and praises of David, Saul kept a close eye on David. And what happens with Saul is he starts to he feels threatened. He gets jealous and envious of David. And so what does he do? He starts fixating and focusing on that person that's creating the jealousy. And so here's what can happen. When envy and jealousy take over, we start to see people as a comparison. We start categorizing people, where they're at, who they are, as a comparison. We can put that slide up on the screen. It's a comparison. It's a comparison trap that everyone in your situation, you're just thinking, should I do this? Am I this bad of a parent? They're doing it this way. And should we homeschool? And should we do this? And should we do that? Or our house and our jobs and our money and our, all these different things. We start to compare all of it. We did a garage sale yesterday. And it was very sad. Our kids made more money at the lemonade stand than we made with a whole garage sale. And so I don't know what that says about that. But anyways, it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. Got to meet some, some people. But this woman walked up with her daughter. Her daughter is probably 12, 13 years old. And she leans over. Heather and I are just kind of standing around there. And she whispers to her mom something. Her mom walks over a little bit later. And she whispers to Heather. She goes, my daughter just looked at me and said, that woman looks so pretty over there. Mommy, I think you used to look like that. <laughs> She's no longer her daughter. but <laughs> She's just like, my jaw dropped. I'm like, I'm getting out of this conversation. I have nothing to say here. But just said that, and she took it so well, right? She was older than Heather and I and all that. And just, just imagine like the feelings, how readily available in a conversation at a garage sale, we can just compare ourselves to the person in front of us, right? What people drive, where they live, how far they've gone in their business or career, and how put together they are. Do you see that? Every person we come in contact with, even amongst believers, even amongst the people we're closest to, can immediately put ourselves in a comparison trap. That, oh, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing things right. Or are they, should they be doing that? Or we start to think we're better than or we're worse than. And there's almost no in-between. It's this constant Rolodex of comparing ourselves to others. And envy rots to the bones, to the core. And we have to fight against putting people in that equation and comparing ourselves to others. Look at the, the next thing that starts to happen with, uh, with Saul in this story. 
gets a little interesting in verse 10 and 11. Listen to these words. It says, The next day an evil spirit from God came forcibly on Saul. Now, we don't have time to get into that, but it's essentially what's happening is Saul has, has kind of gone against the word of the Lord and the ways of the Lord, and he's creeping away from God and his faith in God and following him, and so now he's, he's being led the other way. He's now be, becoming in opposition to God. And so he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. But Saul had a spear in his hand, And he hurled it at David, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. And this actually sets the tone for what's going to happen now for seemingly years in David's life. David's meant to be the next king. Saul is fighting against losing the throne. And he has these moments in and out where he's just wanting to literally kill David so he doesn't take his throne away from him and his family. And it's an extreme situation, but it's almost like jealousy and envy does that in our hearts. We start to think we're against those around us. And so the danger is when envy and jealousy take over, we start to make everything in our life a competition. We start to think the people around us are actually against us. And I'd say, honestly, this is one of the the things we as Christians together have to fight against because this removes God from the equation. This just takes the, the unity of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus Christ out of it because God's, the truth is God's made you unique and the, the way that you've been designed and created specifically for the purpose of now and your family and your story and your marriage and your jobs and where you live, God has that calling on your life. He's working uniquely in your life. And so the enemy wants you to be constantly thinking, well, other people are against us or I'm not where I should be with them. And it's always putting us against each other. And listen, I like competition and sports as much as anybody. I'm going to watch soccer later and my fantasy football team, I'll be checking up on it and all of that. Heather and I have talked a lot about being Division I athletes in the past and now we can't even go for a mile run on these hills. It's killing me and I hate it, okay? And so we missed that. We literally bought Heather a punching bag so she takes her aggression out on that and not me or the kids, you know, because parenting is hard, okay? That paints you in a terrible way, but... Let's move on. All right. Um, And so we're all about competition. But what God desires between his people is unity. It's togetherness. It's your strengths and your attributes and your mind and personality brought to the table to merge with someone else and someone unique and someone different that has these different gifts. And what God wants to do is bring all these different people together to not be in competition with one another. And to not be like worried about, man, where he's at or where she's at. And I don't know if I'm here and that draws us away from each other and thinking we've just got to keep climbing over each other and pull one another down. God desires unity from his church. He desires his people to come together, not for the sake of our own individual self and how I feel and if I think I'm doing things right. No, so that the kingdom of God can grow through you and I. And so comparison and competition is literally the way of the world. It's the Instagram, Facebook 
culture of trying to become like an influencer and curating your face and your life to look like a beautiful piece of picture that you don't know their struggles, you don't know what they've been through, what got them there. The amount of influencers that are depressed and struggling with anxiety is off the charts. I mean, all of it is, is false, but it creeps into how we operate. It makes us insecure and feel like, man, maybe I should be like that or they're ahead of me and so I don't know if we can. God desires unity and he celebrates the differences that we bring to the table. Amen? You are uniquely made and gifted by God exactly how you were made to be. We've all got things we've got to do better and to get stronger. We've all got things we're thriving in and doing well in. And I'll give you how we should operate, I think, biblically with all of that. But do you operate in your life with people around you like it's a competition? And in a competition, besides the NFL, unfortunately, sometimes someone always loses. When you operate in competition with others, there's a winner and there's a loser. And what God desires with us is to come together so the kingdom wins. And we can't operate in a competition mindset. And so he continues in verse 12 and 14. The last danger I see from this particular text with envy and jealousy is Saul was afraid of David. Because the Lord was with David, but he had departed from Saul. And so Saul gets it. God's trending with someone else and he's trusting a man after his own heart. To, to bless and to utilize in leadership. Verse 13, so he went to David, uh, he sent David away from him. He gave him a command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. And this is so fascinating because they're on the same team, building the kingdom, protecting the men, women, and children of Israel from the Philistines. And there's so many battles that are to come. And now they're infighting with one another because of Saul's insecurity, his jealousy and envy. And here's what ends up happening. When we have competition and comparison amongst each other, we look to disconnect. It, it breaks the unity that God desires and designed for his people. And the more I studied this and I really started to think about our lives and, and how this can creep in, it's what the enemy wants. He wants us to think the way everyone else thinks. He wants us to operate in that same way. And he wants disunity and he wants us to be against one another and not coming together based around worship and based around Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one thing that is powerful enough to bind us together, this mission to love and to support and change our community and send money out to people we've never met so they can feed their families tomorrow in Florida and in Puerto Rico. Like when we come together, when there's unity, God can do anything through his people. And there's so many battles amongst us and around us in the world. Like we need to unify together in prayer and in worship and, and in our faith so that we can go out into the world and be the light. 
We need more connection. We need not 13 life groups, but 30 life groups where everyone is all in with community and coming together to pray and serve and honor one another and build one another up so that we can live this life the way God designed his people to live. And so now Saul, based out of his insecurity, is putting himself against the man God has now chosen to be the leader of Israel. And what's that doing to the nation of Israel? It's creating chaos. And if you read all through 2 Samuel and into the the kings from here, it starts to just divide the nation. David's family gets divided. Israel and Judah get divided. And everything starts to crumble amongst them. Because jealousy and envy amongst God's people does not belong. And it creates issues that will pull us together. And so in your relationships, we start to compare and compete and you notice you start to pull away from, from people because we, we operate in that place. How do we get to unity? How do we fight against that worldly mindset of jealousy and envy? Well, let me give you three things I want to encourage you with to fight against this. As we end our time focused on Saul, how do we fight against jealousy and envy? Well, number one, it's, it's to check your heart. This is a heart issue. I've tried to paint the picture of, you know, we can focus on a lot of different things that we preach about. And this is a topical study, but going through the scriptures, God is so concerned about your heart. It's the wellspring of life. And none of us have perfected this, and we've all got our our challenges or what we're prone to. He says, check check your heart. Where do you compare yourself to other people? Where do you find yourself slipping into making it a competition? Am I ahead of them or am I behind them? And how, how does that impact your life? Has it created disconnection in your life? I love the book of James because he just gets right to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush in the New Testament. Listen to what he says about this topic. He says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. I love the word harbor because it it makes me think of water and where you, you put the boat, right? You put it at the harbor and you dock it and you leave it and it stays there. It's where it lives. It's where it stays. And for whatever reason, sometimes you and I, we harbor these things in our hearts. We live there and we let it linger, how we see people or how we see the world or better yet, how you see yourself about where you wish you could be. Wanting to be further than maybe you are. He says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, he says, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven. It's what we've said. It's from the world. It's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And what he's basically saying is that it's the enemy working against you. It's the enemy wanting you to live like everyone else lives. To think how everyone else thinks. It's not spiritual. It's not from the Lord. It's not being led by the Holy Spirit. It's not saturated with Jesus Christ. It's just operating like everyone else. 
For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I mean, he just lays it out. Now, we all struggle at times with jealousy or envy. And so the encouragement is for you to seek within your life to say, God, I don't want to be held back or anchored down by thoughts that are not of you. James 3 lays out two kinds of wisdom, wisdom from above and wisdom of the world. And you should read those lists sometime this week and see where you want to live and where you want to camp out. And he's saying, it's like if you operate in that competition and always comparing yourself and wishing you were something else or somewhere else, it literally removes God from the equation as if God doesn't have you exactly where you're meant to be, that he's sovereign, that he's in control. It takes God out of the equation and it's living amongst the world without seeing what God's doing. And maybe he has you in a season of being behind people to learn more from him in that season for wherever he has you in the future. You see, as Christians, we operate differently. God's in control. We put our faith and our trust in him. And so what he's doing there, praise God. This is my story. This is my life. One of my wife's favorite verses is, uh, it talks about the boundary lines of, of your life have fallen in beautiful places. It's that God has you where you need to be right now. No more, no less. God, give us this day our daily bread. What do you have in store today? Take my eyes from just seeing where everyone else is and where I think I should be and just feeling the weight of where I'm not because you have me where you want me. And let me just rest in that. You see the difference? It's a different way to live. And so that's for you. Check your heart for yourself. The second one, I think we should be the very best in the world at this is to make a habit of blessing, encouraging, and celebrating others. We should be the best cheerleaders in the world. Just, you should walk into your life group and say, man, I got a raise and I've been praying for this for two years and God's finally provided. And your group should just erupt with just praising God for what he's doing in your life, in someone else's life. Instead of it provoking this, oh, why don't I get that? Or why can't I be there? Why wasn't that my blessing? We just, we are just so prone to celebrate what God is doing amongst us and around us in people's lives. Pregnancies, marriages, and man, we should be celebrating constantly. Look how God is working. You see the answered prayer in their life. It's a, it's a selfless way to live. And what that does in you, when you are outward focused, praising what God is doing around you, praising what others are are taking part in, what God is doing, man, you'll be so pure in your heart. God will work in you through that. And it'll just start to remove that mindset of jealousy, of envy, you'll be operating like Christ. We make a habit of encouraging, of blessing, celebrating those around us. And number three, 
What caught my attention maybe the most in, in Saul's story is when it said he kept a close eye on David. It's like his eyes were fixated on someone else. It's going to take his shine and take the focus off of him. And what's the focus of your life? Where does your mind, your heart, your eyes fixate on? Where, where is your heart focused on? Fix your focus. I love Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just going to end with this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. God, help us throw off envy and jealousy, comparison and competing and disunity amongst us. Let us throw it off. Let us get that boat out of that harbor. He says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has a race marked out for each one of us to follow him, to pursue him, to work here, to serve here, to get involved here, to have this much money. There's a race marked out for each of us individually. And all of our stories look different. He says in verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, pioneer, and perfecter of our faith. My encouragement to you this morning, today, to fight against these things Saul fell into that started to crumble the kingdom of Israel in many ways. Fix your eyes on the truth of Jesus Christ. Let your hearts be saturated with his truth, with the spirit of God that lives within you, that wants to lead, guide, and direct your life so your eyes don't take you to jealousy, to envy, and to comparison because God has things in store for you specifically. Why don't you stand? I'm going to close this morning in prayer and send you off to your week. Again, we invite you to be in prayer for our love offering, 20000 above and beyond our $13,000 weekly budget. And we invite you to be a part of being a blessing around the world. But let me pray that our hearts and minds can be fixed on Christ. And if anyone would like to be prayed over, if you have questions about giving your life to Christ, we'd love to speak to you up front this morning. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are holy. You are perfect. God, we are not. There's a lot of hard issues we struggle with, God, but praise you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that your blood has covered over our sin. You have purified us in ways only you could. Thank you that you have planted your Holy Spirit in us, that we desire to cover our flesh so that we don't operate in the way of the world. And so remove jealousy, remove envy from our hearts, God. Take competitiveness and comparison away from us, God, so that we can truly believe that you have a race marked out for us. The boundary lines of this season have fallen for us. You are perfect. You are the provider. You are the author of our story. And so instead of fixing our eyes on everyone else around us, may we fix our eyes on Jesus. Help our faith grow in you. God, we love you. Unify us as a church.
Help us accomplish great, great things for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.